Brother Cornell will have some prayer cards later in the back. I hope you'll take a moment to greet him, get a prayer card from him. I, I just, we spent some time with him and many hundreds of missionaries at the Spiritual Leadership Conference Asia. And I just would tell you that the spirit of that, of that conference and, and the surrender of the servants of God like him are just, is a blessing there. So I hope you get a chance to meet him. He's not here very long, just for a day or two with us. And we're just praying that God will help him to raise the support he needs and to get back to the field. Let's take our Bibles tonight, if you would, please, and go with me to Second Chronicles 25. We were supposed to be in Second Kings 14, and I was looking at the passage, and Second um, Chronicles 25 is, is about the same king but a little bit more detail that kind of fills in the blanks. I thought it would be good for us to be in Second Chronicles 25 tonight so I don't have to come back to this, this, this particular king again. Brother Cornell, thank you again very much for your presentation. We're looking forward to what God's going to do through your life. Second Chronicles 25, if your neighbor doesn't have a Bible, if you'll take a moment to share your Bible with him, we're going to read a few verses and get right into the subject tonight. Second Chronicles 25, verse 17. Then Amaziah, the king of Judah, took advice and sent to Joash, the son of Jehoiaz, the son of Jehu, king of Israel, saying, Come, let us see one another in the face. And Joash, the king of Israel, sent to Amaziah, the king of Judah, saying, The thistle that was in Lebanon sent to the cedar that was in Lebanon, saying, Give thy daughter to my son, to wife. And there passed a wild beast that was in Lebanon and trod down the thistle. Thou sayest, Lo, thou hast smitten the Edomites, and thy heart lifted thee up to boast. Abide thou at home. Why shouldest thou meddle? Uh, why shouldest thou fall, even thou and Judah with thee? Why shouldest thou meddle to thy herd, and that thou shouldest fall, even thou and Judah with thee? But Amaziah would not hear. For it came of God that he might deliver them into the hand of their enemies because they sought after the gods of Edom. So Joash, the king of Israel, went up and they saw one another in the face, both he and Amaziah, king of Judah, at Beth Shemesh, which belongeth to Judah. And Judah was put to the worst before Israel, and they fled every man to his tent. And Joash, the king of Israel, took Amaziah, the king of Judah, the son of Joash, the son of Jehoiaz, at Bethshemesh, and brought him to Jerusalem, and break down the wall of Jerusalem from the gate of Ephraim to the corner gate, 400 cubits, or if you would, 600 feet. And he took all the gold and the silver and the vessels that were found in the house of God with Obedidim and the treasures of the king's house and hostages also and returned to Samaria. Now, Father, tonight we're very stirred this evening by the presentation and the testimony by our good friend, Brother Cornell. And I pray, Father, that you bless this dear man of God and his wife. Give them health. Give them strength. Undergird them. I pray that God ministries here in America as well as overseas would sense the urgency of the moment to raise up the support so this man can stay full-time on the field. And God, get the gospel preached in a very, very difficult country that needs to hear about Jesus, your Son, that He is the Son of God who was sinless and died for every sinner and rose again from the dead and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And tonight, we want to thank you that as Americans, Lord, we have such a wonderful privilege and freedom to support works like that and to proclaim the gospel here with that, without that type of opposition, at least at this point in time in our history. And we pray this evening, bless this man of God. Bless, Lord, we pray the scriptures that have been read 
And what we're studying tonight as we look at the life of this man by the name of Amaziah. I pray this evening that you'll help my thoughts to be clear. Use this Bible study tonight to quicken our hearts, awaken us, stir us, God. It's particularly in this particular area of the spiritual life that every one of us struggle in. We humble ourselves before you because the Bible says, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. And the Bible says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. And Father, this evening we come to you with humble hearts. Hungry hearts, in some cases hurting hearts. But Lord, tonight we pray that you'd heal hearts. May you be glorified, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, about several months ago, we began a series from First and Second Kings on kings and prophets. And uh, we spent just kind of using First Kings and Second Kings as our gauge. And uh, during this course of time, we've looked at about seven kings of Judah. We've studied Rehoboam. We've looked at his son Abiah. We looked at his son Asa. We looked at his son Jehoshaphat, whom we need to go back and spend some time on. We looked at his son Jehoram. We looked at his son Ahaziah. And then we saw, well, interrupting all that was Queen Athaliah for a moment. And then last week, the last week or two, we looked at King Joash, and uh, who was the father of this man Amaziah. And tonight we're looking at King Amaziah. Now I hope to develop a lot of these these character these kings a little bit further, some character traits as we go into the new building and start off with the, uh, with our adult growth group Sunday school department. Maybe develop a series of lessons we'll have for our Sunday school department, going a little bit more in depth to help us understand some things. But tonight we're looking at this eighth king of Judah, and his name, if you look at chapter 25, verse 1, his name is Amaziah. And you want to write this down in, in the larger Bible as we get into the study. Amaziah's name means Jehovah is mighty. Jehovah is mighty. And tonight as we look at this man, we see the son of Joash. Joash was actually a very good king. He reigned for 40-something years. He came to the throne at age 7. You remember he was hidden in the bedchamber in the house of God for about 6 years. Age 7, he came to the throne. And as he started off, the very first thing he did was he raised the funds necessary to fix the breaches in the house of God. Later on, we find this man, Joash, is assassinated by two of his servants. And then after this, and we, we just took a brief look at it last time, we saw where Elisha the prophet was sick, and from this sickness he would die. And uh, we might come back to looking at, at, at uh, Elisha a little bit more there. But tonight I want to focus our attention from 2 Kings 14 and 2 Chronicles 25 on this man by the name of Amaziah. you notice in the passage we read tonight that Amaziah engages in a conflict with, with, with King Joash, Jehoash, over in Israel. And he comes to him, and basically in verse 17, he asks for a face-off. He says, come, let us see one another in the face. And we'll build into this and get this down a little bit more. But basically, he was creating a challenge of this man. And, and King Joash there of Israel basically used a parable in speaking to him and said, listen, you know what? You're getting too big for your britches. Just because you won a great victory over the Edomites doesn't mean that you're king of the hill. But but as far as Amaziah was concerned, he thought that one victory entitled him and put him on top of the hill and entitled him to confront whoever he wanted. And we're going to look at a man tonight that presents to us the problem of pride. We're going to see a very strong lesson on pride and the damage of pride. And tonight, just because of time, I've titled the message, How the Mighty Fall. I want you to notice several things tonight in our me- message. First of all, would you notice the commencement of pride. 
We want to begin tonight, but look at the life of this man by the name of Amaziah. How pride begins, the commencement of pride. Notice in verses 1, 2, and 3, we see the first mention of Amaziah. It says, Amaziah was 20 and 5 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jehoadan of Jerusalem. And the Bible says he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. The first thing we find about this man in verses 2 and 3, we find that the commencement of pride is rooted in his moral courage. Now, when you look at that tonight, you look at these very, very initial things we see about this man. You, we might for, at first glance say, well, there's nothing really that stands out that's bad about him. But look again at verse 2. We see this man's moral courage being brought out. The very first thing we read about him is that he did that which is right in the sight of the Lord. Now, for me personally, I wish that uh, there was a period there and not a comma. I wish there was a period that just basically said that everything about his life, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. But it doesn't say that. There's a comma there and it says, but not with the perfect heart. In essence, you might write in the Marjor Bible, this man Amaziah was a man who was half-hearted. He was not all the way in what he did. What he did in his life is what people saw. There was the face side, there was the frontal side of him, but there was the back side that people didn't see. And in his moral courage, we find this man starts up with a perfect heart, but that perfect heart was what only people could see on the front end. It was nothing, there were things that they did not see in the back end. We see something else. Notice in verse 3, it says, It came to pass when the kingdom was established to him that he slew his servants that had killed the king his father. Now I want to give this man Amaziah some good credit. He was a good man in many ways. He was a good man. He did that which was perfect. He did not take remove the high places for the most part, but he did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord for the most part as far as, as, far as his frontal was concerned. And when he got himself established, the very first thing he did was he went after those men who assassinated his father because he realized if he left those men there, it would basically tell the kingdom that he was not interested in, in performing justice against them. So he went after those men and killed those men. And the Bible says he didn't go after their children or their families because it re- reinforces to us in verse 4, every man shall die for his own sins. So this man in his moral courage, he did that which was right in the kingdom. I, I believe there were things he did in terms of presiding over civic duties and civil justice and criminal justice that was essential for the kingdom. So in a sense, he had moral courage. But as we'll see later on, there were some character flaws, some deficiencies in this man that were never dealt with that arose later on as he became accomplished. Notice the second thing about this man as we consider the commencement of pride. We see his moral courage, but notice in verse 6, would you notice this tonight? Would you see his monetary capacity? Verse 6 tells us something very interesting. It tells us, it tells us there, he hired also a hundred thousand mighty men of valor out of Israel for a hundred talents of silver. Now he was raising up, he realized he had his army, as we saw in verse 5, which was pretty substantial. And we'll say something about that in a moment. But in verse 5, we noticed that he had an army that had as many as 300,000 choice men able to go to war. He had chariots. He had men that he, he kind of studied very well. And he knew something about military strategy. And he knew how to position men to be captains over thousands and over hundreds. And he had a great army. But he realized that beyond that, he needed even a greater army than that. And so he hired some other mercenaries in verse 6. A 100,000 mighty men of valor out of Israel. He sent a petition to Israel. He said, I need to hire some men. I'll pay you a hundred talents of silver. A hundred talents of silver is a lot of money. That's a, you know, you look at one talent equal to about a hundred pounds and we use today's equivalency, whatever gold's at, I guess what, 1200 bucks an ounce or something like that there. If you look at that, this or, or silver, I guess it's a hundred something bucks an ounce or so. I'm not really sure what it is today, but whatever it was, it was a substantial amount of money back in that time. 
and that he spent to hire these men. And uh, my thought I want to give you is that he had he had money that he spent at will. He had money he spent to impress other people with. Spending power will lead a man or woman to think that he can buy or hire whatever or whoever he wants. Spending power, the ability to have great discretionary spending power, leads a person to think they can buy or hire whatever they want. And as he's, this man is starting on his kingdom at 25 years of age, and mind you, 25 years of age, he doesn't have a whole lot of wisdom. At 25 years of age, he's still learning a lot of things. Yes, he may have been very intelligent about things, but he still had not learned a lot of things as far as life was concerned. But as far as he was concerned, he had monetary capacity. That monetary capacity help feed into his pride and then notice something else notice in verse 5 and then verses 11 and 13 we not only see this man how he is in his moral courage we not only see this man how he is in his monetary capacity but notice we see this man in his military capability in verse 5 it says moreover amaziah gathered judah together and made them captains over thousands, captains over hundreds, according to the houses of their fathers throughout all Judah and Benjamin. What he did was he took a look at the military and his strategy was, I've got to put some structure to this. I've got to put better structure. I've got to put better supervisors. He studied very well who are the men that he put as captains. That's a good thing. He understood delegation. He understood military strategization. What he did was a good thing to give some order and structure to the military there. And the Bible goes on by saying in verse 5, it says here that he... Um, and then it says he numbered them from 20 years old and upwards. So he basically drafted men when they turned 20. They basically automatically served the military like a lot of countries do right now. When you turn a certain age, they, they tell the young men you have to enroll and enlist in our military then. And then he says he found them 300,000 choice men able to go forth to war that could handle spear and shield. Now, you take that. You take verse 6, where he hired 100,000 mercenaries, which later on, a prophet of God came to him. A man of God says, send the Israelites back. I don't want you doing any business with them. He says, if you do, you're going to fall to defeat. So he sends them back, and they're upset with them. But his reason for doing all this, we get to verse 11, that he wanted to go to battle with the Edomites. Now, he wanted to see how strong he was militarily, and he wanted to do battle with the Edomites. He probably read along the way how David had fought with the Edomites, and uh, through Joab, and through Joab's brother, Abishai, and how they went and defeated a large number of the Edomites in the Valley of Salt. And somehow Amaziah was inspired to do a very similar thing. We're not told leading into this that the Edomites were causing him trouble. But the Edomites were strong. They were a mountainous people. They were known as the, the people of Mount Seir. And so, but he goes into the, he challenges them at the Valley of Salt. And notice verse 11. Amaziah strengthened himself and led forth his people and went to the Valley of Salt. Now, this was a major confrontation. In fact, as far as we know, it was the first confrontation and a very successful confrontation of that it says he went to the valley of salt and smote of the children of sierra ten thousand he went to battle with his men and took 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 it to the turf and took ten thousand of those edomites out then in verse 12 he captured another ten thousand the bible says that he left alive and the children of judah did carry them away captive and brought them to the top of a rock and there at the rock of this cliff he says the bible says he cast them down from the top of the rock that they were all broken in pieces now with this great military conquest the first one and a big one you could imagine what this did to this man in terms of his ego in terms of his understanding in terms of his military strategy he just thought he was on top of the hill king of the hill and he felt he was very very strong and he said basically with his size and his conquest 
probably through all that, his, his appearance probably was screaming, look at me, look at what I've done. Now, what does that tell us about Amaziah? Well, Amaziah, as we get into these early stages of the scripture, was a man very impressed with his skill set, his abilities, and his strength. The confidence he had in his ability grew and made him into a conceited man, as we'll see as the scripture goes on. He believed that he was a man that was unstoppable. And we know that as we go further, because he goes on to challenge the Israelites to battle. He goes against Joash and challenges in the battle. Now, as you look at this man, we see this man who is a man filled with pride. Pride is a rise in his life. Pride is a struggle that everyone in this room has. Every single individual on planet Earth has a struggle with pride. Pride is a high look or view of oneself. Pride is, is thinking that you are the best. Pride is the desire to have the accolades and the praise of men. Pride is when you despise having any competition or someone who outdoes you. Pride despises correction and criticism. Pride is believing your assets and goods uh, make you great. Pride is exhibited in arrogance and conceitedness. Pride is an overly inflated ego that covets power and the attention of men. Pride is a narcissist who is all about himself. Pride is the angry man who lashes out at others. Pride always wants to take revenge. Pride is argumentative. A pride man will never admit his true faults or his sins. Pride is finding fault or judgment at others so that he is not judged by others. Pride is found in an unrepentant spirit. Pride is self-will, seeking to exalt itself. Pride was Satan saying all the I wills in Isaiah 14. I will ascend. I will sit. I will exalt. I will be like the Most High. Pride is Cain, who when God confronted him and told him that his sacrifice was not acceptable, the Bible says he was wroth and his countenance was fallen. Pride is Herod, who put on his garments and desired to be called a god in Acts chapter 12. Pride is the backsliding Christian who resists the Holy Spirit. Pride is the unsafe sinner, saying he does not need to get saved. Amaziah had everything going for him and had built a name for himself. Charles Colton said this, To know a man... Observe how he is, how he wins his object rather than how he loses it. For when we fail, our pride supports us. But when we succeed, it betrays us. We see the commencement of pride arising in this man's life. Notice number two this evening. Notice the corruption found in pride. It's very simply said, brother and sister Christ tonight, pride is sin. Pride is sin that God hates. It is one of six sins that God hates. And rather than just giving you just my thoughts on it, I want you to listen with me tonight as to what the Word of God has to say to us about pride. In 1 Samuel 2, 3, this is what Hannah said in her prayer as she was praying to God. Talk no more so exceeding proudly. Let not arrogancy come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God, a God of knowledge, and by Him actions are weighed. In Proverbs 8.13, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogancy and the evil way and the forward mouth do I hate. Proverbs 16.5, Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. When you take the word abomination, it's a stronger word than hatred. Abomination talks about something that is detestable, that is abhorred. Everyone that is proud in heart is abomination to the Lord. Though hand join in hand, he shall not be unpunished. Proverbs 21.4, A high look and a proud heart, and the plowing of the wicked is sin. Jeremiah 48.29, is speaking about Moab. This is what God was saying to, jo to Jeremiah. We have heard the pride of Moab. He is exceeding proud, his loftiness and his arrogancy and his pride and the haughtiness of his heart. Obadiah 1.3 says of the Edomites, The pride of thy heart has deceived thee, thou that dwellest in the cliffs of the rock, whose habitation is high, that saith in his heart, 
Who shall bring me down to the ground? Mark 7, 21 to 23. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the heart. James 4, 6. But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Brother and sister in Christ, let's be honest tonight about the scriptures. Pride is sin. Pride is a sin that God hates. G.K. Chesterton said this, if I had only one sermon to preach, it would be a sermon against pride. Pride is sin. We see the commencement of pride. We see the corruption of pride. What you notice in our passage tonight, verses 17 to 25, would you notice the conflict in pride? This man Amaziah had achieved greatness by defeating the Edomites in the Valley of Salt. He went to their turf and beat them in a bad way there. He took 10,000 of them out, took another 10,000 captive, brought them to the heights of a rocky area, and threw them over the cliff to destroy them. He's very pompous. He's very proud. He was not, he was, uh, he was unashamed of, that, of the fact that he sent those 100,000 mercenaries back home and told them, I don't need you anymore. They were very upset. And you read the scriptures there. On the way back home, they attacked some of the cities of Judah, and they killed 3,000 of the men of Judah. So on the way back, after he's defeated the Edomites, Amaziah comes back and he's thinking, you know what? I'm just going to send a challenge over there to Joash, the king of Israel, to let him know I'm willing to face him on. I want him to know that though he thinks he's strong, I think I'm much stronger than him. We just took out the Edomites without their help. And if we could take out the Edomites without their help, we can take them out there as well. Unfortunately, in between all this, we read that when he took out the Edomites, he also brought the gods of the Edomites back, and he brought them back to Judah. He plopped them in their places of worship. He started bowing down and praying to the same gods. God, for a second time, sent a prophet of God to him. And this prophet of God told him they needed to stop what he was doing and he put the prophet in his place notice what he said there to the prophet the bible says in verse 15 wherefore the anger of the lord was kindled against amaziah and he sent unto him a prophet and said unto him why hast thou sought after the gods of the people which could not deliver their own people out of thy hand that's a great thought there and it came to pass as he talked with him notice the king's arrogance notice his conceitedness out of his mouth because it always begins out of the abundance of the mouth the heart the mouth speaketh and notice in verse 16 he says to the prophet of god art thou made of the king's council do you even think you're part of my council do you think you're part of my advisory board who do you think you are prophet of god art thou made of the king's council forbear in other words you be quiet sir i don't need to hear from you forbear why shouldest thou be smitten then the prophet forbear and said i know that god is determined to destroy thee because thou has done this and has not hearkened unto my counsel well this man amaziah wouldn't hear any of that he wouldn't listen to the man of god he wouldn't listen to the counsel of the israelites and so now he goes to the israelites and he goes to joash and he says come let us see one another in the face in verse 17 and joash is just taken a little bit aback by this man's arrogancy by that he had the audacity to come to him and challenge him to fight let's go see one another to the face and let's let's just throw out the glove the gauntlet and let's see who's gonna who's gonna win this battle here and so the king Joash in verse 18 uses a parable basically to put Amaziah in his place, but also to insult him and tell him, you are not big enough to take us on. And he says, son, you better stop where you're at right now because you're going to get yourself in big trouble. And he uses a parable and he says to him, the thistle that was in Lebanon sent to the cedar that was in Lebanon. And the, and the imagery he's using there is the little thorn shouting out to a big cedar tree, come, let's go to battle there. And he says, the, the thistle that was in Lebanon 
Lebanon, sent to the cedar that was in Lebanon, give thy daughter to my son to wife. And he said, there passed a wild beast that was in Lebanon and trod down the thistle. He said, sir, if you think you're going to win us, I'm like that wild beast that's going to come and trod you down and take you out. And, but that, but Amaziah would have nothing of that. He said, to, we went on and, and, and Joash is still speaking, verse 19. Lo, thou hast smitten the Edomites. Notice what he tells them here. Thy heart lifteth thee up to boast. Abide now at home. Why shouldest thou meddle to thy herd that thou shouldest fall, even thou and Judah with thee? He says, sir, you are getting, you've gotten too big for your britches. You should not be meddling with this stuff. You're sticking your nose in the area where you should not. You better go back home. Don't mess with us. It's going to be to your defeat. He says, you don't know what you're getting into. But the Bible says in verse 20, Amaziah would not hear. Repeatedly in this chapter, we hear this man does not hear. Listen, I remind you tonight, the Bible says he that has an ear, let him hear. I believe there are going to be many, much of the word of God. In fact, all the word of God, that one day as we stand before the judgment seat of Christ, we're going to be held accountable for what we've heard. He that has an ear, let him hear. So the Bible says in verse 20, Amaziah would not hear. He would not heed the warning because the Bible said it came of God that he might deliver them into the hand of their enemies because they sought after the gods of Edom. Amaziah does not heed the warning. Pride is the underlying source of strife. These men go to battle. And you'll notice what happens as we, this happens. Joash and Amaziah fight with one another. And as we'll see in a moment, Amaziah is defeated in a very shameful and embarrassing way. There's conflict here. And the thought I want to get across tonight, much of our struggles, much of the strife, much of the conflicts that happen in families, that happen in friendships, that happen in churches, that happen in business, whatever it may be, all of it can find its root in the sin of pride. Listen to what the Bible says, Proverbs 13.10. Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. Proverbs seventeen fourteen. The beginning of strife is when one letteth out water, therefore leave off contention before it be meddled with. Proverbs twenty eight twenty five. He that is of a proud heart stirreth of strife, but he that putteth his trust in the Lord shall be made fat. When people within the same ministries are struggling with each other, people in the same church are struggling with one another, and there's some issue that comes up, more often than not, those struggles, those contentions that meddling are always in most situations out of preferences, not out of convictions. They're out of preferences situations. And a lot of those situations wind up that people stir up the strife, they're divisive, and they get to the place where they don't, they want to take sides against one another. Listen to some things where strife came up. The pride in Cain led to strife with his brother Abel. He didn't want to be told that his sacrifice was not acceptable. The pride in Lot, after he acquired much wealth at the, at the hand of his, of his uncle Abraham, the pride in Lot led to strife with Abel. Abraham over land. In fact, Abraham says, why are we at strife with one another? We be brethren. He said, look it, I'll give you first choice. You take all the land that you want and we'll take whatever's left over. The pride in Jacob's sons led to strife with their brother Joseph. The pride in the disciples' hearts led to strife among themselves as to who was greatest on the night that the Lord's table was instituted. Pride was the reason there was, there was strife at the city of Philippi, at the church of Philippi, about the preaching of the gospel. In fact, all of Philippians chapter 1, and we go through the entire book. It's about strife, about the preaching of the gospel as far as how God Christ was being preached. And that's why Paul would uh, later on talk about striving together. He says, your strife is leading to division. He said, instead, let's strive together for the, for the sake of the gospel and getting the gospel preached. No wonder Paul would say in Philippians 2, 3, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. May I give you a thought this evening. It's not a very smart thought, but let me just give you a thought tonight. Here we have a missionary who's given up his life
wife. We spent 28 years on the mission field serving God. Most of those years in the country of Ethiopia, being ridiculed, being defamed, get, just having very little of anything. And now here, here's a man in his 50s and 60s, feeling the leading of, call, uh, sensing the leadership of God, calling him to go to the, the island of Zanzibar. Zanzibar is about 98% Muslim, going there realizing that he's got much opposition there. Here is a man that needs to get to the country of Zanzibar. He needs to get supported. He wants to get there to get the gospel preached. Time is short. We need to redeem the time because the days indeed are evil. We need to pray every day. Lord, teach me to number in my days and I play my heart to wisdom. And instead of getting this man there, churches are arguing about petty matters. Christians are arguing about petty matters when we need to get the gospel to those countries and support the, those men and help get the job done. Listen, we're, we're going to be, and I'm going to say this tonight, you can hear this a lot over the next several weeks. We are not, this building that's going up is not to be a bone of contention. We're not to be argumentative about the color of the paint or what kind of carpet goes in there or what's going on this or who didn't do this and who didn't do that or the room's too small the chairs are too big or the chairs are uncomfortable I'm saying it tonight those things are all preferential matters those things should not divide us what we should really say thank God God gave us a building so we can fill it up and get people in there to hear the gospel and train leaders for the glory of God listen you read all through the New Testament believers are at strife with one another the poor against the rich, the intelligent against the not so intelligent, those who got who had to get immigrated from one location to another. I'm saying tonight, we don't have time for that. Jesus is coming soon. Edward Tapp Benson said this the proud wish God would agree with them. They're not interested in changing their opinions to agree with God's. So we see the commencement, we see the corruption. We see the conflict. Would you notice the consequence tonight we're done? Verse 22, and Judah was put to the worse before Israel. He fled every man to his tent. All that boasting. All the arrogant talk. And notice verses 22 to 24, the words that Scripture uses. He was put to the worse. They fled to their tents, almost like a had his tail between his legs. The king of Israel took the king of Judah. The wall was broken down, 600 feet of wall. The king of Israel took all the gold, all the silver, and all the vessels out of the house of God with the treasures of the king's house. Amaziah fell. He was humbled. A bad setback. He was shamed. There's so much pride in us. Even tonight, we're probably sitting here thinking, well, that's somebody else's problem. No, that's all of our problems. As the Bible tells in Proverbs 13, 11, 2, when pride cometh, it cometh shame. With the lowly is wisdom. Proverbs 16, 18, pride goeth before destruction. Haughty spirit before fall. But the terrible thing, living in America today, we have so much so much to thank God for. But we all think we're self-achievers. Beloved, this church, let's never get to place thinking, well, I built the church. Nobody, Jesus builds his church. God builds his church. When these, these buildings, parents, you help me out tonight. Young people, let me talk to young people tonight. Young people, church is not a playground. Be respectful of God's, God's property and God's buildings. 
We need to respect this and we need to ingrain in our children. Listen, the days are going by. You're going to get, you're going to get a little bit older and you need to sit down with your children and tell them, hey kids, I want to tell you what God's done here at this church. People come here, they see what God's doing and they say, wow, what a work of faith. And, and I remind them that 2007, the city wouldn't even let us build on this property. Now we're sitting here and we're thinking everything's so great. But I'm going to tell you tonight, all of this is entrusted from God. Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from above from the Father of lights in whom there's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. And we can get so much with, we can get so caught up with goods and services and wealth and accumulation and things of that nature. I'm just saying tonight, let's be very careful that we don't let those things define us. What should define you and me is Jesus Christ. Our love for Jesus Christ, our love for the Lord and serving His church there. Pride goeth before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 29, 23, a man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble spirit. Would you notice as we close tonight, this man, Amaziah? In verse 23, it says, Joash, the king of Israel, took Amaziah. King of Judah, the son of Joash, the son of Jehoaz, and Beshemez, and brought him to Jerusalem, and break down the wall of Jerusalem from the gate of Ephraim to the corner gate, 400 cubits. Would you watch how this man was shamed according to the word that the prophet God told him? They met in the field of Beshemesh. They fought over there. He was soundly defeated. All his men ran their tents to hide. And the king of Israel takes him in other words he takes him captive puts a rope around him and he leads him he leads him all the way back to jerusalem back to his palace i mean that's i mean for all of his people to see how shamefully he was beaten and how little his army was in comparison to the israelite army there and i close tonight by saying how the mighty fall amaziah's name means jehovah is mighty but his life biography said i'm bigger than god i'm bigger than the country i don't need god I need myself. I'll tell you tonight, and we didn't say this Sunday night when we had the Lord's table, but I think one of the first sins we need to confess every morning as we start out our days, Lord, forgive me for my sin of pride, my sin of conceitedness, my arrogance. We need to ask God to bring to our mind, was there something we did or somewhere where we thought we were proud? And by the way, just, just you know, you have to ask this question. When you get an accomplishment, when something big happens, when something good, what does that do to you? How does it affect you? What do you think about that? Is your wall plastered with all these, all these achievements and things? You've got record books of all these things you have and, and we show our portfolio. I mean, is that what defines us? Or really what defines us is what goes into our heart from the Word of God and how we live for Jesus Christ. How the mighty fall. John Maxwell said this, Leaders who, fought, failed to pursue, leaders who failed to prune their pride will meet demise. That's not a guess. It's a guarantee. With pride, it's not a matter of if we will fall, but when. There are no exceptions. And as we close, Andrew Murray said this, Pride must die in you, or nothing in heaven can live in you. Tonight, let's examine our hearts for just a moment. How the mighty fall. And let's ask God, please help me, Lord, tonight to examine my heart as we consider our study this evening, this man by the name of Amaziah, how pride was a major part of his downfall there. Yes, he lived the rest of his years, but the rest of his years were non-accomplishment because he never dealt with the sin of pride in his life. Now, Father, tonight, it might be even this evening, we're too proud to confess we have sin. It might be tonight we're too proud to say that, Lord, we need to humble ourselves even more. 
We might be too proud to just take the towel and the basin, like Jesus did, to wash the feet of others. Lord, sometimes I think we get to places where we're too big to sweep, too big to clean, too big for this and too big for that. The honest truth of the matter is, Lord, we need to humble ourselves before you more than ever before. Lord, thank you for hearing tonight about Brother Cornell, but alongside of that, being reminded and cautioned by the life of Amaziah. Forgive us for pride, for corporate pride, individual pride, for sinful pride, for pride of race, for pride of grace. Lord, forgive us for those, 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 just those things working in our life. Perhaps we've not given time to give you the glory and to thank you for your goodness. Father, tonight we thank you. We have nothing to be proud of. We thank you that Lord Jesus died for our sins. Without his death on the cross, his shed blood, that none of us have anything to be proud for. Thank you for the day that you saved us. God's salvation is all the gift of God. It's not something we deserve, not something we're entitled to. It's all by the grace of God. And I'm reminded tonight that grace is love that we don't deserve. Father, this moment I pray for just some sense of remorse, some sense of repentance in our hearts. So just say, Lord, tonight I bring my pride before you that I'm not so big that I cannot come to the cross and kneel down and humble myself before you. Please, dear Lord, tonight I pray that you help us to have those humble hearts that you desire us to have as we go forward in these next few weeks and opening that new building and seeking to start classes and fill them up. May you work through all of that, Lord, these next several weeks and seeing and testifying and validating that, Lord, this work is the work of God. Now, Father, I commit this time of... of um, altar call to you this evening that we're, we're seated and even at the front lord we would just humble ourselves before god and just say lord there's more that can be done i humble myself before you that lord that you can do your work through our lives we commit this to you we thank you tonight for just a warning and the giving that you gave us tonight in jesus name we pray as the piano plays you can come tonight let's stand if you win your place you need to come to join me tonight at the altar let's just bow before god lord examine our hearts for pride Boy, pride is an obstacle to keep us from doing a lot of things here. It might be that's why we have family feuds at home. Pride is keeping us from having forgiveness. And pride is keeping us from saying, I'm sorry. And pride, maybe for young people tonight, maybe it's pride that's, that's in the way between you, your mom, and your dad, why you're not, things you're, you're not seeing eye to eye. It's not for your mom and dad to see eye and eye to you. You need to see eye to eye with your mom and dad. It might be tonight you're in one of our club ministries and you don't see eye to eye with the sponsor tonight. I encourage you tonight, you need to go to that sponsor and say, forgive me that I've, I've been a little bit rebellious. All of rebellion can be traced to the sin of pride. Oh, may tonight we die to self. And may tonight we realize it's not being competitive. If we're too competitive about things in church, it might be because of the problem of pride. These 16 does the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination before him. Many have come. Would you take a moment tonight and meet with us at the old-fashioned altar as we see God's face tonight? Father, tonight we thank you this evening for the Word of God. I'm reminded about Amaziah that, Lord, he had warnings and he didn't heed them. Help us to be reminded, he that has an ear, let him hear. God, deliver us from pride. Lord, it creeps up all the time. I pray we'd have that spirit of dying to self, crucifying the old flesh every single day. God, as we go our separate ways in a few moments, we pray you dismiss us with your blessing. And we pray tonight you bless those who are planning to have family altars tonight and prayer times. God, give us a fruitful end of this week. We pray, Lord, you'd help us anticipate a great day in the Lord's house this coming Sunday. Thank you for all your goodness and your grace we ask you now in Jesus' name. Amen.
Well, a couple of things tonight. I need the men's help. All the men, if you can, we need to stack these chairs, get these chairs over to the chapel. Tomorrow, we have a delivery of new padded chairs for the HC. Can I hear an amen for that? Amen. amen. And so uh, we need some help. We, have, we need some men who are off tomorrow. We can get some men that can be here about 9 o'clock tomorrow who are off that can help us to unwrap and unload those chairs. We need to get those chairs all positioned here in the, in the Heritage Center. So if some of you men, if I can get about half a dozen men that can come here to help with the men that will be here, that would be a blessing on that. But tonight, let's get these chairs, men, if we can just stack them up, put them on the rollers, get them over back to the chapel, uh, that would be a blessing tonight. And then we'll have those new chairs here uh, for that. These chairs, by the way, we'll be putting them over into the... Um, into the new education building. We'll tell you more about that the next two, three Sundays. We'll be preaching messages that will kind of get us ready for the new building that will help us there with that. Please be in prayer for the cross-court boys basketball camp. It's been going very well. The numbers have just been right, and we're thankful for the boys. We're reaching families, and, and we're thankful for just some prospects we're getting from that. We're praying the Lord will use that for His glory. Be it so many this coming Saturday, and of course, in just a few days, we're starting our, our kids' camp. Let me say this about a kids' camp, just a couple things I'll let you go. Kids' camp is going to be a great opportunity just to get some new folks in here, harvest some families. We do have a group that's coming from Wisconsin, from Brother Van Gelder's church. They're bringing, I think, about 12 of their teenagers here with their youth director. And they're coming here as kind of as a missions trip. And uh, we're going to kind of just get them exposed to cross-cultural exposure here, <laughs> over here in the Bay Area here a little bit. And uh, help them just get kind of get a visualization of how things are different from Wisconsin. And uh, we're going to get them exposed to a few things. But they're coming to help us with a number of things uh, with our children as well as with our team ministry. And we're looking forward to that. But I want you as a church family... Just when you see them, just be a blessing to them. I want them to know this is a friendly church, and it is. And I want them to know that it's a serving church, and it is. And I want them to know this. They're going to be here right during that time, right before we go into our, our entrance into the new building. We want them just to see a sense of enthusiasm, excitement about what God's doing. And, and I, want to, I want to see help a lot of those young people to see uh, how to win a soul to Christ. I want them to see how to just present the plan of salvation, how to see people saved and, and uh, things like this. You pray with us that that will be a blessing for them. And, and I know Brother Rains and his team that's coming, they'll be a blessing to us here too. So, men, help us with that. Those of you who had a meeting with me a little bit later, let's get these chairs put away in about 10 minutes. If you meet me over in the chapel, we'll be there. We probably got about a 35, 40-minute meeting tonight. So if you meet me there for that, that would be a blessing. Thank you for being here. Brother Cornell, you have prayer cards? But Justin, can you help stand with him and get him his, help him get his prayer cards out? See that man over the, at the corner there where Brother Erwin's at? And uh, get, get a prayer card from Brother Cornell. Pray for Zanzibar. We're praying that God will do great work there. God bless you for being here tonight. You're dismissed.